And as we enter into the sermon this morning, I want to approach our sermon a little bit differently. I want to share with you guys something that I have been wrestling with God with. And I also want to share how through prayer and through the prayer of others, God has been working behind the scenes to show me something beautiful. So a couple weeks ago, I was reading through the book of Luke. And as I read, I noticed the transforming nature of the miracles of Jesus. He was casting out demons. He was healing the hurting, those that were sick. And he even brought people back from the dead. And the power that was in Jesus to perform these miracles is the power that he gave his disciples. And as I read, I saw that through prayer, the disciples were able to cast out demons. Through prayer, they were able to heal the sick. And as I read, I wondered to myself, God, that same spirit lives in me and other believers around me. And I asked God, I said, God, do your miracles still happen today? Or is our faith not strong enough? I was literally praying and like, God, I want to pray with faith for my family members that don't believe in you. I want to pray in faith for my neighbors who may not come to know you yet. But I want to pray in faith knowing that miracles can still happen. Lord, I want your power to be on display today. But God, help me with my doubts. Because it's hard to believe that your people can still perform miracles today, especially the miracles mentioned in the Bible. And as I was honest and vulnerable with God, he began to show me that his miracles still take place today. And he made me see that if I was willing to be still and quiet and wrestle with him with this, that my eyes would be open to the realities of the miracles going on around me. And as I wrestled with this and with the scriptures, three things happened. The first one, somebody in our office had an encounter with God at women's retreat, and she was able to share it with me. And I was like, that's beautiful, a miracle of God being on display. The second one, I come from a family of climbers, and one of my family members was in a pretty serious climbing accident. And as they told me the story, they talked about how they kicked off the wall to avoid the rock falling towards them. And yet later I get a text and they said, actually, I didn't kick off the wall. And said something from my right pushed me, but there was no one to my right. And then the third one, actually God has used through this sermon series. He has showed me the miraculous way he works behind the scenes to unify our church family. See, last week we started a new sermon series called The Art of Being, with the focus being on cultivating space to be with and abide in Jesus. And we do this through the spiritual practices. And these practices help us sit with God, of which one of these practices is prayer. And as I was sitting right there praying before I came up and gave the sermon last week, I was sitting there going, God, is this going to work? 
Like, are we ready for this? Are we ready to really try to abide in you? Because behind the scenes, I had been praying through this and working on this since November. Praying that while Pastor Mark was gone, that God would prepare our hearts for what God wanted us to teach. And so as I sat there, I took a deep breath and I walked up here. And then I saw Mark Gowdy. Mark Gowdy is one of our elders. And when I saw him, it reminded me of the fact that the elders for a couple months now have been wanting for our church to be a praying church. They have been wanting to create different ways for us not just to pray in service, but also outside of service, to pray in our homes, to pray, open up our church for us to come in and have the elders pray for us. So here, sitting back, looking at Mark Gowdy, it reminded me of the fact that something God had started in my heart in November is something that God was also stirring in the heart of our elders. But it wasn't just our elders. See, in the last two weeks, I found out that the youth is also talking through the spiritual practices. So, meanwhile, God's working on my mind. God's working on the hearts of the elders. And then, I didn't even know this, Wednesday nights, the youth is talking about the exact same thing we are entering into here. But it doesn't just stop there. We have a gospel community that's also diving into the importance of prayer. And we also have a group that meets here Tuesdays and Sundays to pray. All these different people and different ministries feeling the need to build rhythms that align our hearts with God. And through being open and sitting with God, he allowed me to see that he truly is at work today. God has been working on the hearts of all these different people with the exact same desire to abide in Jesus and grow in the ways of Jesus. And if we are willing to listen to God, he will show us how he shows up. And if we are willing to sit with him and trust him, he will guide us to something that's more incredible than we can ever imagine. And the beautiful thing is that not only is he leading us there, but as we're honest with ourselves and as we're vulnerable with the people around us, we'll begin to see that God is working in our hearts, but also the hearts of the people around us, molding them to the exact same thing he is pushing us towards. And so the Spirit is at work in this church. And let's not be afraid to be honest with God and to create space to be with him. Let's recognize that prayer is an art form and that as we pray and as we spend time in these other spiritual practices, we will grow in the art of being. We will grow in the ways of Jesus, which leads us to the spiritual practice we'll be talking about today. The art of prayer, part one. The truth is that every spiritual practice we will talk about from this moment till the end of this sermon series has a form of prayer in it. And honestly, prayer means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But the basic premise of prayer is our way of communing with God. Whether that be listening or speaking, 
It's all of it. And just how we all communicate differently, the way we pray might be different. Yet at the same time, if we want a relationship with God, we must learn the art of prayer. Because the truth is God wants a relationship with you. And any good relationship needs to have communication. Prayer is our way of communicating with the God of the universe, with Christ the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. Prayer is our way of coming to God as we are in our brokenness and in all our glory and sitting with him to be transformed by him. Prayer is our way of being open with the deepest needs and desires of our hearts. No matter how messed up your heart or your soul may be, God is ready to listen to you. And we can come to him without any fear. As John Mark Comer, one of my favorite pastors, says, God is not shocked by your emotions. No matter how messed up your soul may be, God is right there with you listening. Prayer is a beautiful art. And as we pray, we begin to learn the importance of it. We begin also to learn the importance of simply just sitting before God, not saying a word, just sitting and dwelling in his presence. Prayer is our way of keeping God on our minds at all times. As Paul says, to pray without ceasing. Prayer is a part of the art of being Because prayer is our primary way to keep God at the forefront of our mind. Dallas Willard, one of the most brilliant minds in Christianity, he has many books on spiritual formation, but one of his quotes or something he says that really stood out to me is this quote right here. He said, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may be challenged by our burdensome habit of dwelling on things less than God, but these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will retire to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. And I know that some of us tried to do this this last Wednesday morning, 10 minutes just sitting with God, not doing anything, but just sitting with God. And I know for me, when I decide to spend 10 minutes in stillness, the very next thing I want to do is move, right? You're sitting in stillness and you're like, all right, God, I'm just going to sit before you. And you're like, oh, but you know what? If he, if he gives me a thought, I should journal it, right? Or I'm going to forget. Or, you know, actually, I should really open my Bible maybe and do this instead of just sitting with him. And I love that Dallas Willard here talks about how there is a burdensome habit of dwelling on things less than God. We do this constantly when we pray, when we try to spend time with God. When we open our Bible, we get distracted by the different mental images in our head. 
But as we decide to create new habits and live lives that direct our attention to God, we will learn to pray in a way that our minds are always on God. And so today I'm going to share with you a form of prayer that has been very fruitful in my life. And it's helped me seek ways to pray without ceasing. And I want us to take a different look at prayer. I know when we commonly think of prayer, we always go to that like Matthew 6 passage where the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. We have a sermon on that. If you want to look back, go ahead and look back. But today I want to look at prayer differently. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 22. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. The verses say this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. This section of scripture that we're looking at comes in a section of scripture that is Paul's final instructions to the church of Thessalonica. Where Paul is trying to give them a list of ideals to follow. And here we see in the list of ideals is to pray without ceasing. And Paul really knows what he's doing here because if you really look at this, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances, um, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every evil. If you're going to do any of that, you're going to have to pray. How are you going to know what's good unless you're praying? How are you going to know how to abstain from evil unless you're praying and asking God to provide a way out? How are you going to know what the Spirit is doing if you're not willing to open yourself up to the Spirit? So what could Paul mean by pray without ceasing? Does that literally mean in every single moment of the day, like we get out of bed, we roll over and we get down on our hands and knees by the bedside, like the cute little image of kids praying next to their bed? Is that what it means that we do nothing else but sit on our bedside and simply pray? Well, no, but also yes, kind of. No, it doesn't mean that we don't do anything. But what it does mean is that we take our thoughts, our actions, and our days to Jesus. We invite Jesus into every moment of our day. If we are to learn the art of being, it can't just be something we do in the morning. It has to be something that we do every single moment of every single day. If we are to learn to abide in Jesus, we must learn to pray without ceasing and invite him in to our everyday life. This is the great part about prayer is that it's a conversation with God that can be had throughout our entire day. And when we learn to abide, it becomes natural for us in every single moment to acknowledge and call on Jesus 
We feel free to ask him to help us, to give us wisdom, to give us discernment. But also, as this verse says, rejoice always. It helps us go, God, thank you for the mothers. Thank you for our fathers. God, thank you for the nice weather outside. God, thank you for my boss. Thank you for my coworkers. Thank you for this work that you have given me. Help me honor you with it. We are able to do that when we recognize that every single moment of every single day is a moment to ask Jesus to be with us. And this does take time, and it is a piece of art. It will take patience and time as you learn to take every thought captive. Because there is an importance to this that is far beyond praying without ceasing. And taking every thought captive reminds us that our battle is not just against flesh and blood, but it is far deeper than that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. And they say this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And this section of scripture reminds me of Ephesians 6, 12 that says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place. If this is what we are battling against, there is nothing that man has made, nothing that we can do with our flesh to battle against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. But right here in 2 Corinthians, we do see that there is a weapon that we have that has divine power to destroy strongholds. The reason... Abiding in Jesus and praying without ceasing is so important is because we are in a battle for our whole being, mind, body, and soul. And prayer and the words of God is how we destroy strongholds, arguments, and every lofty opinion raised against God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It is him that helps us pray without ceasing. It is him that helps us understand how to destroy strongholds that so easily entangle us. Jesus is the one that helps us see these lies that we believe to be true. And when we learn to take every thought captive so that we can bring these thoughts before Jesus, he is the one that transforms our thoughts to the truth. And that is why we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Because if we are doing this, we will learn how to pray without ceasing because we all have active minds and our thoughts go like this, right? So if we're taking every thought captive, you're going to be praying without ceasing. And to obey Christ, we must learn what Christ wants 
if we are to do this, we have to learn to pray and invite God into every single moment of the day. And not just in our moments, but into the deepest recesses of our mind. Where God can come in and transform our thoughts. And this happens through prayer and spending time with God. When we do this, he rewrites our minds. And to do this, we must learn to take every thought captive. And this is not going to be easy. But many followers of Jesus have done this before us, and many followers of Jesus will do it after us. To take every thought captive, we have to know what the thought is. What is it that you are thinking about? What is it that you tell yourself every day? The second thing you have to do is name the lie behind it. What is the lie behind the thought? And the third thing is tell yourself the truth. What is the truth? And then celebrate it. Learn to pray when you have that initial thought. Remind yourself of the truth. And let's say you're taking every thought captive and you're like, wait a second, this thought that I'm like praying through right now, it's actually a good thought, right? Like this actually is truth. Then celebrate it. Rejoice always like we saw in the last verse. Because if prayer is both speaking and listening to God, then this is a tool for us to learn how to direct the conversation, to sit with God in a way that we say, God, here is a lie that I believe to be true. What is your truth? In John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies, he encourages the reader with these questions about our thoughts. He says, what is the thought or feeling that you are having? What is the lie beneath the thought or feeling? And true, and, and three, what is the truth? What is the truth? An example of this is this right here. What is the thought or feeling? If something I do turns out to be a failure, then I am a failure. What is the lie beneath that thought or feeling? My identity and worth are tied to what I do and what I produce and what people say about me. And what is the truth? Mark 1.11 says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the truth is that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. And God said those very words to Jesus, which means that we are God's beloved children in whom he is well pleased. Before Jesus did anything, God said that about him. So before we even do anything, God loves us. And like I said, this is a tool. This is not a must. But if you're having trouble with your thought life and prayer life, I recommend you use this tool. And I want to remind you that the art of being is not about doing anything. It's about cultivating space to be with God. It's about creating space to be transformed by the ways of Jesus. This tool helps us sit with the truth of Jesus by replacing the lies that we believe to be true. And I said at the beginning of this sermon that we're going to look at prayer in a different way. 
And the art of prayer, part one, is about learning to pray in a way that is raw, honest, and open with God. The art of prayer is about sitting with God and letting God's thoughts become our thoughts, but also sharing the most vulnerable side of ourself with him so that we can be with Jesus, so we can learn from Jesus, and then we can live the way Jesus lived. We must learn to come to God with our thoughts and our bodies as a living sacrifice so that our minds and our lives can be transformed to the ways of Jesus. In fact, throughout the Gospels, Jesus would find himself withdrawing to pray constantly throughout the Gospels. If you read the Gospels, you'll see this theme over and over and over again where Jesus withdraws to lonely places to pray. And yet we see something that happens in the wilderness when Jesus is first called away. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you are willing to answer these questions, you will be experiencing something that is like entering into a wilderness. Where you will be praying in a way that seeks to have a real, raw, and honest conversation with God. But it will also be freeing. Because what we see, what happens to Jesus when he enters into that wilderness, is we see that he's tempted by Satan. We see that Satan manipulates the word of God to create lies around it to tempt Jesus. And Jesus responds with the truth. That is what this tool is. So in Jesus' encounter in the wilderness, we see an example of how to combat our very own thoughts. And in the book of Mark, we see the simplest explanation of this account. Mark 1, 12 through 13 says this, The Spirit immediately drove him, as in Jesus, out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Could it be that in the wilderness, Jesus learned how to grow in his prayer life? Because the only thing he had to depend on for endurance, for strength, for stamina, was the power of God. Could it be that the only response that we have to the lies that the devil will throw at us is to pray? To have a prayer life that is so fruitful that no matter what we get thrown at us, we can come to God and say, God, is this your truth? No, then I will not believe it. I will believe your truth. Because the truth is we will all be tempted. There is not one of us in this room that will not have lies thrown at us, that will not have temptation thrown at us. But God gives us the tools to seek the truth and prayer is one of those tools. William Barclay, a renowned New Testament interpreter, once wrote this about this section of scripture. He said, in this life, it is impossible to escape the assault of temptation. But one thing is sure, Temptations are not sent to us to make us fall. They are sent to strengthen the nerve and the sueth of our minds and hearts and souls. They are meant to be tests for which we emerge better warriors and athletes of God. See, when Jesus entered 
the wilderness, he had a choice. He had a choice between the way of the devil and the way of God. When we pray, and when we pray without ceasing, when we take every thought captive, we have a choice to follow the way of Jesus or to follow the way of lies. And in prayer, we are reminded of the truth. In prayer, we are reminded of our identity. In prayer, we are reminded that the word of God is what fuels us and guides us. The art of being with God and the art of prayer help align our hearts, minds, and souls to what God wants for us. Could it be that because I sat with the words of Luke, because I sat with the miracles that I saw happening, that I was in my own wilderness, could it be that sitting there opened my eyes up to see what God was doing behind the scenes? Because it could be that if I didn't take the moment to sit in the wilderness and open myself up and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) Help me see your miracles because it's hard for me to believe they still happen. It could be that I would dismiss what I heard from somebody in the office. It could be that I dismissed the the miracle of somebody or something pushing my family member out of a rock falling. It could be that I missed the beauty of what God has been doing within this church. See, because in the wilderness is where we go to wrestle with God. It's where we go to wrestle every thought. It's where we go to pray without ceasing. And our wilderness is not fought in the flesh, but it is fought as we get on our hands and knees and pray to the God of all truth. And if you join us in the art of prayer, you will align your heart, your mind, your strength, and your soul to a reliance on Jesus Christ. Because remember, we are inviting you into a process of intentionally cultivating space to be with Jesus to be transformed by Jesus, and to then live the way Jesus lived. And so this week, I want to invite you in to an everyday prayer life. Every single day. All I'm asking is five minutes. Five minutes every single day to pray. Five minutes of stepping into the wilderness and being raw and honest with God. A God that loves you. Be honest with what you believe to be true and help him rewrite what actually is true. Five minutes every single day. Take your thoughts captive. Remind yourself that God is present. He is a God that proclaims in Exodus that he is a God that is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is a God that when we sit with him will replace the lies that we believe with the truth. And so this week, every single day, let's spend five minutes with that God and let's learn to be transformed by his very nature. Lord, as we enter into a time of worship, I want us to pause right here and now. Every single one of us in this room, Spirit, I just pray that you would reveal to us a lie that we believe to be true. 
And so, Lord, I want to take a moment to pause. And, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be present here in this moment and help reveal to us what is the truth behind this lie. Lord, help us pause right now for a moment to dwell on your truth. Lord, thank you for sending your son as the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, as we sit with the lies in our thoughts, may we pray without ceasing. May we learn to take every thought captive. May we learn that Jesus sets the example for us. Lord, I pray that your truth would reign over all of us. Lord, I pray that the work that your spirit begins would continue. Lord, I pray for us as we head into this week that you would remind us to spend five minutes with you. Thank you for being a God that is merciful and gracious and loving. May we learn to abide in you.